Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. This week, we're hearing from Lee Damiano as she continues our sermon series, Love Like Jesus. This February sermon series is talking all about different aspects of love. Lee is sharing a message titled, Love and Discipline. I love hearing Lee speak. She always speaks with such authenticity, sharing from her experiences and about what the Lord is personally teaching her lately. Enjoy. Love month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Normally you see pictures of beautiful flowers, little kids hugging puppies, um, couples walking hand in hand on an illuminated path, walking into the sunset. And those are fun pictures to see. But it is about February, we have an opportunity to acknowledge those who are close to us, those who we are intimate with, those who are important to us. A time for telling them how they impact our lives. One doesn't really think of love and discipline when you're thinking about love. Um, You think of love and roses, love and marriage, love and kisses, but not really love and discipline. But to be quite honest, discipline is evidence of love. Love and discipline do go hand in hand. For 2017, the Lord gave me the words discipline and self-control. And I'll be quite honest with you, when I hear those words together, it makes me very uncomfortable. (laughs) Because I think, I think of those, and I think other people do too, I equate discipline with punishment. And that's a no-no. Punishment does not equal discipline. Okay, there's there's an equal and does not equal. Okay? There's no punishment in the kingdom. And as a child of living God, we are not punished. Jesus took our punishment. Punishment is meted out in anger. It's a concept that implies um, that someone is getting what he or she deserves. The purpose of punishment is delivering a penalty for an offense. It's usually um, given in an attitude of um, hostility, anger, frustration. And the result is usually fear, guilt, hatred, or withdrawal, or a combination of those. Punishment is the antithesis of the gospel. Discipline is given to, excuse me? Antithesis antithesis of the gospel. It's totally opposite from the gospel. Right, gospel. Didn't get that. Uh, Discipline is given to train for correction and maturity. It's to correct future acts. It's not not in the past. It's to correct behavior for the future. The result is that the person who is the discipliner cares enough and loves enough 
to give correct behavior. The one who is disciplined is then motivated to change because of his love for the one who disciplines. So one cannot neglect discipline without neglecting love. The two go hand in hand, and that is what our Father does. He loves us, and he disciplines us. He wants us to be everything that he says we are. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves and as a father in a son whom he delights. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start, it, it's all about God's discipline. I'm going to use the Passion Translation. So chapter 12, verse 5. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? This is Jesus now. He said, my child, don't underestimate the value of discipline and the training of the Lord God. Or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father would do. We should all welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not his children. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers, even though they corrected and disciplined us? And then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God. Verse 10 says, Our parents corrected us for a short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them. This is the part that's really good. But God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness. So we should come to expect discipline. I mean, that's what the word says. He's going to correct us. He's going to correct us our whole lives. Um, disciplining in love. That, does mean, that doesn't mean that we enjoy it. I don't go praying, Lord, discipline me. Maybe I should, but I don't think we do. I, I just really don't think we do. And that next verse in Hebrews 12, verse 11, says, says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And as I read that, I started to get lost in the pronouns it. It was all over the sentence. So what is it? It is discipline. It is discipline. So we don't have to like it while it's happening. The word says uncomfortable. No, the word says painful. And I took a look at that word painful. It does not refer to a physical pain. 
It refers to an emotional pain, a heart pain, that translates into sorrow and grief. And so then it goes on to say, and now, no, it says later on, after you have been disciplined, it doesn't seem pleasant, and it's painful, later on, it produces a righteousness and peace. It just, if I take those pronouns out, this is what it says. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And now I'll take it out. Later on, discipline produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by discipline. Have you noticed that the words disciple and discipline seem, they're very similar? They come from root word, meaning um, it's called disciplina. It's a Latin root word. And that word means teaching and instruction. But it goes further then. The word disciplina is derived from the Latin word disciplus, which means disciple. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. I think we at times try to become a disciple of Christ, but forget the discipline. God is in the life-changing business. If you give your life to him, if you place yourself in his hands, if you follow him, if you believe his word, if you discipline yourself in discipleship, God will change you. That is the power of discipleship. That is the power of God. He can take whatever you offer him and make it something beautiful. That is what God does. He's in the life-changing business. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for all good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we would walk in them, I really like the Passion Translation on this. It says, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. He is making us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he will not stop until he is finished. God wants us involved in the process, though. It's not a one-way street. God wants to partnership with us into making us into the image of his son. We can partnership with God in the process of changing our lives by understanding his divine and loving discipline. So now we know that as his children, he loves us, and we will, de we will be disciplined because he loves us. He disciplines us for our good, and it also says in the word, in order that we may share in his holiness. That's why he disciplines us. Okay, so we've covered the who, what, when, where of discipline, and why, and how important it is in the lives of believers. Um, it's very important for us to understand the process 
of becoming mature and Christ-like. So I felt when I got to this part of my message, I felt like I was done. <laughs> it was like, okay. But you know, there wasn't a release in my spirit. It was, you know, the other messages, when I come to the end, I know it's the end. This one, I was not settled with. And it was like, God, what else do you want me to say? Because I have nothing. And then he nudged me a little, like he does. And he reminded me that he gave me two passages to chew on this year. And when I mean chew on, I mean these two passages to dissect word by word, almost like you diagram a sentence, you know, when you have the noun, verb, object. I remember those days. The passages are Galatians 5, 13 through 26, and Ephesians 3.20. Now just, just stick with me because it all starts to fit in, I promise. We are disciplined because our Father loves us and wants us to share in his holiness. But how do we do that? How do we share in his, how, how do we share in his holiness? Galatians 5.13 through 26 tells us. I won't read it all, but there are good passages in here, good verses. Beloved ones, God has called us to a life, to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up base operations in the natural realm. Freedom means we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants to one another, expressing love in all we do. It goes on to say in this passage, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. The Holy Spirit is the only one who defeats the cravings of your natural life. It goes on to talk about the cravings, the works of the flesh, the cravings of your self-life. And it lists it. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, uh, manipulating others, senseless arguments, uh, angry quarrels, being in love with your own opinions, uncontrolled addictions, being envious of the blessings of others. And then Paul says, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will never inherit the kingdom of God. Paul then talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he said, this is love revealed. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Have you ever, I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever noticed I get real good on the, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I never get to the self-control. And that's a very key piece of this. <laughs> you can't afford to overlook it. The fruit of the Spirit grows out of the root, which is the character of God. You can't pick and choose which fruit you want to work on. It's not like going to King Supers and going, I like apples, bananas, and, and um, oranges, but I'm going to leave this other stuff. That's not the way 
it works. If we are living our life by the Spirit, these characteristics will be exhibited as we reflect Jesus. In that passage, the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's a singular word. The works of the flesh are plural. Rather than individual fruits, which I said you can't pick and choose, it's not a collection of traits that you decide which one you want to work on because that's your preference. It doesn't work like that. Altogether, they form the character of God. And that character we are to display and walk in each and every day. The fruit of the Spirit actually shows our maturity as as we're growing up in Christ. So let's get back to self-control. Why is it listed last and love is first? Because it all begins with love. It really does. And as we mature and develop and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, that self-control piece comes in. It is all about our life under the control of the Holy Spirit, not like a puppet. I don't mean like that, that we willingly invite him in and let him take up residence in us. I'm not going to, this is nothing that you don't know, but we live in a very undisciplined time right now. Um, People seek freedom through excess but they only find bondage. Frank Herbert, who is a uh, science fiction author, he wrote Dune, um, and it was made into a movie, which was bizarre, I think, but (laughs) he has a quote that really, I think, just spoke to me so strongly. Seek freedom and become captive of your desires. Seek discipline and find your liberty. Self-control is learning to quickly identify and obey the initial promptings of the Holy Spirit, bringing our thoughts, our words, and our actions under the control of the Holy Spirit. So how do we do that? How do we identify and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit? You know, in prior messages, and I know I've shared with some of you, it drives me crazy when I'm looking at something. Every word in the Bible is true. To me, it is living. And when I see Jesus say in John 14, 12, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And he will do even greater things because I am going to the Father. And I, Lord, why? Why are we not seeing that? Why is that not manifested? I think the Lord revealed to me in Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ through all all generations forever and ever, amen. Did you catch that phrase? According to the power at work within us. According to the power at work within us. And then going back to Galatians, we have to yield ourselves The power within us is determined by our yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. We determine what we give up. We determine what we surrender so that he can come in and fill us. There is no limit to what God can do in and through us in Jesus Christ. But we can limit the working of God. 
by what we have surrendered or chose not to surrender to him. If we are still holding on to stuff and store it in our self-space, there's no room for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I equate it like this. I don't know about you, but in my house, I have a closet that everything goes in and people are coming over very quickly and there's cluttered stuff all over. Archie's saying yes, so he knows this. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> and so everything goes in the closet so that it's nice and clean for everybody. What I have come to realize, nothing ever comes out of the closet. I just keep putting more in. And I think that sometimes the Holy Spirit, he's so excited that we've accepted Jesus and that we've asked him to come and live in us, you know, his fullness in us. And then he comes into our hearts and he opens the door and we open the closet and it's chock full of stuff. We have a whole bunch of stuff in there that we have not surrendered. And because of that, we limit him. We need to clean the closet. We need to do some spring cleaning now. You know, I know I surrender some things, and the little things I surrender, he fills, gets in there and he fills the spaces. But he wants to fill it all. He really does. So self-control, it's not um, self-discipline. It's self-control. Then it's something, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that God does in and he does for us. The way we grow self-control is realizing we lack it. We don't have it. <laughs> and long for it and pray for it and then wait because God will answer our prayers. Self-control grows by admitting, longing, praying, and waiting. So there it is. God loves us enough to discipline us. He disciplines us because we are his children and he wants us to share in his holiness. And how do we share in his holiness? By being obedient and living in the spirit. Being led in the spirit allows the fruit of the spirit to grow and mature in us. However, we must yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. He's a gentleman. He will not force himself on, on us. We need to clean the house to let him in. Let me share something with you that I read as I bring this to a close. It speaks to discipline and partnering with God as his child to grow into his masterpiece. The poem that I am to him, the poem that you are to him. Let's say that there's a river runs by your house and it's wide and the water flows slow and steady. All the water is flowing to the ocean. It has a definite course and a definite destination. The ocean is the final destination. Sitting on the bank of the river is a little rowboat. You get in the rowboat and you paddle to the middle of the river. You can do one of three things. You can paddle against the current. You can sit in the middle of the river and just go with the flow. Or you can paddle with the current. Folks, God has a plan for each and every one of us. He has a destination that he wants to take us to. 
He wants to change us into the image of his son. He's in the life-changing business. You have a choice. You can fight against the process. You can sit back and do nothing. Or you can work together with him in the process of becoming more godly, of becoming more like Jesus. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes discipline. Paul said to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I don't know about you, but I know my heart. And I know I want to be more like Jesus. I know I have a lot of spring cleaning I have to do. I have to surrender a number of things. I want to clean my closet because I want him to fill me totally. Will you partner with God today? Will you um, allow him, the Holy Spirit, to take control of you? Will you discipline yourself for discipleship? Thank you. As always, thanks for listening to the SNSC podcast. Here at Supper Club, we care so much about community. If you're ever in the Castle Rock, Colorado area, we would love for you to stop by. We have worship, fellowship, an amazing message from one of these speakers, and we always share a free meal. We meet every Saturday night, and you can find more information at SaturdayNightSupperClub.org. Have a great week.